have the privilege of talking to you this morning about pairing, parenting, and uh, I was going to stick to the first three chapters of Genesis and just try to pull out, uh, you know, a text in there that talks about parenting. But as I looked through, the closest thing I could find was uh, in chapter one, verse twenty-eight. It says, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it." Um, so I'm done. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, no. So obviously it's uh, much more difficult uh, to parent than just uh, be fruitful and multiply. So uh, I'm going to kind of go through. We're going to talk a lot. Uh, I'm not going to talk a lot. I'm going to talk about the uh, the weightiness of being a parent, the responsibility that comes with being a parent, um, and the privilege that uh, we have as parents. So, um, But I do want to just kind of throw out a disclaimer. If you aren't a parent... Uh, this applies to discipleship as well, um, so don't feel like if you don't have a kiddo that that you can just check out because I will ask you a question and catch you off guard. Okay, um, so uh, I wanted to start off by uh, just kind of opening myself up to you guys and, and sharing with you something that I that I've thought off and on, and I think I would hope that some of you have kind of thought this same thing. And specifically since I've become a believer, it's been something that I've thought about. Um, off and on, but it, it's just simply that um, I want to I want to make a difference in the world. Like in some way, whether big or small, I want to make a difference. Um, and you know, obviously, every day we have opportunities to make a difference in the lives of other people. Um, but I think it would be really cool to make a difference that has a lasting impact. Something that goes on way past uh, my lifetime, something that um, that people talk about after I'm gone, um, and so I've had to rule out a couple things like being the first man on Mars. Uh, obviously, um, you know, working in a cafe, uh, I'm probably not going to make it to Mars. And then the other thing I've ruled out is creator of uh, smell-o-vision, you know, like the TV that uh, permeates the smells of what you're watching. Um, I don't know how to put together a TV, and I don't know how to create, manufacture smells mechanically. Uh, there's some engineers here who probably could, maybe I could give them some recommendations. So there are a couple things that I've had to rule out as far as wanting to make a difference in the world, something that people look back and say, Remember Adam McLeod, like, he, he did this, or, you know, I, I'm not going to have my name thrown in with Christopher Columbus. Uh, you know, obviously that guy was important uh, for a couple reasons. You're not going to throw my name in with George Washington. Um, but here's what I've discovered, and, and here's what I've had to settle for. Um, I'm a parent, and the biggest difference that I will make in this world will be the difference that my kids make based on what I teach them, what I instill in them, what I leave them with, and then what they pass on to their kids, and then what they pass on to their kids. That will be what lasts way beyond my lifetime. That will be the greatest impact that I have on this world until Christ returns, right? So as a parent, I have a very unique opportunity to, uh, to, uh, to make a difference, to do something that uh, that changes the world in some way. Um, and again, I want to touch back on the discipleship aspect. Uh, you know, uh, having someone that you invest yourself into does the exact same thing. Um, it just creates that, that, that multiplier effect where you're taking yourself and pouring it into someone else 
and then they have the, the opportunity to turn around and do it to somebody else. So, but as a parent, I'm obligated to do that. Like, it's not a, hey, you want to hang out once a week type of thing. This person is next to me for the, you know, for the first 20 years of their life. So I'm obligated to invest in them and teach them things um, so that they can turn around and, and teach that to their kids. Um, so I wanted to just kind of start with that that challenge. And I uh, I heard a, a quote one time, and it kind of, it's one of those quotes where you listen to it and you're like, that sounds really good. I'm not quite sure exactly what it means. So uh, I'm going to kind of digest on that for, for a little while. Um, but the quote goes like this. It says, children are the living messages we send to a time we will not see. Children are the living messages that we send to a time that we will not see. Um, it just kind of resonated with me as I thought about wanting to make a difference, wanting to pass on a legacy. Um, my kids will be the ones that essentially uh, teach and, and, and live out the things that I'm showing them right now. Um, they'll be the ones that... Uh, that turn around and, and teach it to other people or show other things. So whatever message I'm instilling in them right now will essentially repeat itself again um, and will we'll continue going on, working its way down. Um, so I got in my notes here. How we as parents choose to raise our children heavily influences who they become, so their values, their morals, their priorities, all that gets passed down to the next generation, and then those kids grow up and continue the trend with their own kids. So it's just kind of a a, a process that continues to repeat itself. Um, there's a great passage that we're going to look at in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, you go ahead and turn there. And this passage... Gives us a little more detail than the passage in Genesis. Um, here's the three main things that we're going to find when we look through this passage. As parents, we're going to see what we need to teach our kids. As parents, we're going to see how we need to teach our kids. And as parents, we're going to see what happens when we don't teach our kids. Those things. What happens when we neglect to teach them the things that, that Scripture's told us to teach them? All right? Um, so Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to read through the first 15 verses, um, and then we're going to go back and kind of work our way back through it and kind of uh, dissect it and chop it up a little bit. Verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over, to possess to possess, possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord your God the God of your fathers has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face of the earth. All right, so there's a lot of good, rich um, truths within that. We're going to go back up to the top. Um, so he starts off, this is Moses. He says, this is the commandment, the statutes. And then he basically says, looking at verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God. So overall, here's here's one of those uh, things that is important for us to teach to our kids. That, that they fear the Lord our God. So we're not talking about a scary fear, um, obviously, that you, you don't want to be around God because you're nervous. We're talking about that kind of that awe-inspiring fear to where it's almost like you want to be close to God because you realize his power and his might. Okay, So verse 2 says that you may fear the Lord your God, and then if we skip down, it says, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments. So in order for us to fear the Lord our God, we need to keep his statutes and his commandments. So obviously this he's speaking uh, about the law, not only the Ten Commandments, but all the rest of the, uh, the statutes, and this is how you uh, worship, this is how you sacrifice, this is how you... This, this is basically how you do everything, um, all those commandments. Um, and so for us, they would still be commandments. Um, it would be uh, the things that we find in the New Testament. I mean, uh, all the, um, the the different things, that, uh, all the different truths that we find throughout the Old Testament on, on how to simply live our lives, how to treat other people, how to think about other people, how to love God, how to serve God, how to serve others, all those different things. So it still applies for us today that, in order for us to, to have a healthy fear of God and, and a, a healthy, awe-inspiring, uh, worshipful fear of God, that we keep those commandments, that we pursue obedience in our lives. But it's not just for our sake, because you see, in between there, he says, for you and your son and your son's son. All right, so for me, it's important that I teach myself those things, but it's also important that I teach those things to my kids, and not only to my kids, but to my grandkids. So, in essence, there's responsibility not just for me as an individual on my own by myself, but there's a responsibility that I pass this on, that I pass this down to another generation, and then another generation after that, so that this lives on past me, all right? So it's important that I teach my kids to pursue obedience so that they fear the Lord, so that they know of his power, know of his might. Um, and then we 
Skip on down to verse 3. He says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them. So in other words, be intentional. This is important. You have to, to, to focus on this. Um, you have to, to intentionally make this happen within your life. This is important for this to happen, is what Moses is saying, what God is saying to Israel through Moses. This is very important. Um, he says, so be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly. Um, and, you know, the, uh, we talk a lot about um, multiplying yourself in Genesis, um, you know, uh, isn't necessarily just about the physical multiplication of yourself um, through the marriage covenant, but uh, m- more so through discipleship. You know, I'm, Jen and I aren't going to uh, adopt a thousand children so that we can uh, teach them all these things. But what we are going to do is we're going to invest into the lives of other people so that the truths and uh, the gospel that we have goes on to someone else, that they're able to turn around and teach that to someone else. So the, that multiplication factor, now they go and they do the same thing somewhere else. And it just continues to, to kind of have a snowball effect to those people around me. So, um, which, is, which is what uh, God wants Israel to do with themselves, right? So he wants them to, to teach the statutes and the commandments to their son, to their son's sons, so that eventually, essentially, the whole nation of Israel is pursue, pursuing God, pursuing obedience, pursuing those things that he's laid out um, for his nation to, uh, to, to rightfully worship him, to, to rightfully be singled out just for him. Um, so all those things that, that Moses has already covered, um, he's saying you have to be careful to do them, you have to be intentional to do those things so that at some point, as a nation, you are mine. You are singled out for me. You belong to me, and these things are important to you. Um, so we skip down. Uh, so it says, Multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then the next big thing that we're called to, to teach our kids, that Israel was called to teach, is that you shall love the Lord your God. So first we started off in verse 2 with the fear of the Lord, and now we have a love for the Lord. He says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words, these are the words that I command you today, shall be on your heart. And then we get an example of how to teach. He says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. So obviously this isn't a one-time deal. This isn't something that... Um, you know, uh, once a year you would just have a sit-down meeting. You know, a family meeting is is our yearly family meeting, and you know, I'm gonna we're gonna read through the New Testament. Um, you know, that would be a long family meeting. Um, but you know, it's something that uh that you would do on a uh, a normal basis. It would be something that would be uh, a part of a, a regular routine. Um, he says. Teach them diligently to your, to your children. It says, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, which basically means when you're not at your house, when you lay down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand 
They shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So what I did was I got tattoos for my kids. If you'll roll their sleeves up, you can see that the Old Testament law. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so it's pretty thorough. When you're at home, when you're not at home, um, when you go to lay down, when you get up, on your hands, in between your eyes, and on your doorposts. Um, I think that pretty much encompasses life. Um, and so it can seem kind of exhausting uh, when we think about this, especially as parents. And, and I think this is where the weightiness and the responsibility really weighs in for us. We start thinking about, wow, I mean, really, truly, this is something that I have to carve time out. I have to make sure that, that I'm intentional with this. And uh, and it can be overwhelming if we think of it as a routine or a schedule or something that we say, okay, everybody, it's time to, to do this together. Um, but if we think of it more as a, a lifestyle that you live in front of your kids, I think you're able to to understand more uh, the picture that we're looking for, that uh, the picture that's kind of laid out for us uh, as parents. And I think that there's definitely a time that that uh, that we need to have carved out where we look at specific Bible study, where we sit down and we talk about specific passages that um, you know that teach us who we are, that teach us who God is. But in general, there will be more times that that our kids are simply watching us and listening to us where we are modeling those things that we are teaching them, then there will be times where we actually sit down and have a study together. Um, and so uh, for me, it, it's challenging. You know, all of our kids are just kind of like um, little Snapchats walking around where they just repeat everything. Like they take a picture of what, you know, dad did and then they go and do it. You know, I've never used Snapchat. I thought it was kind of trendy. Uh, is that the right app? Um, and uh, and then so like uh, and, and I think this kind of helps weigh into for those of you who maybe answer uncles, you know, like you might you hang out with the uh, with your nieces and nephews for the holidays, you know, and you think it's funny, you know, for them to repeat the things that you say to their parents, you know, because you can get away with it. So you know or you know, you might get them to go stick their finger in the the dressing or something or the cake on the table, and maybe you're doing it too, and it's all funny and everything. But, like, you have a responsibility too as nieces, uh, as uncles and aunts, not only as parents, but kids are watching you, and they're going to repeat what you do, and they're going to take away from what you do and say, it's okay for me to do that because an adult is doing it. And... You know, some of those things are innocent, and some of those things, you know, are funny. Um, if you're a grandparent in here, um, I mean, you obviously have a little more freedom, you know, rightfully so. But I mean, at some point, you got to draw the line too. You know, um, you know, you're not giving Eleanor Coca-Cola right now, Tom. Right? Just that. Okay, so it's basically milk, right? Which is what babies eat. Um, so there's a lot of responsibility for all of us, um, regardless of if we're just a mom and a dad, uh, because our kids are, are constantly watching us. And it is a lifestyle that that we live in front of them, which they will model, which they will repeat. 
not necessarily just time that you sit down and have intentional Bible study during the week or not just time that they're in there right now learning, but what they see us do and how they see us act, the things that they see us say or hear us say, those are the things that they take in and that they will will choose to be like or choose to model. Um, and so we all, whether we want the responsibility before them or not, are responsible for, for how they are, for, for the things that they do, for the things that they think are okay or not okay. Um, so that's the how of teaching our kids, is being that model for them day in and day out. Um, so we go down to verse 10. It says, this is a part that I really like because God's sharing with them his faithfulness to them. And reminding them of what he's of what he's done, the promise that he's made, and he's saying, in the future, this is what's going to happen. You're going to walk into a land that's already set up for you, that's already taken care of for you, and you're going to be tempted to forget about me. You're going to be tempted to not teach these things diligently to your children, to yourself. You're going to be tempted not to fear the Lord, not to love the Lord. Because you you have all the physical things provided for you and taken care of that I have provided for you. And you're going to be tempted to forget about me. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, houses full of all good things that you did not fill, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord. So this is the first alternative to not being diligent, to not teaching, to not uh, sticking to uh, God's commandments to not pursuing obedience is forgetfulness. Our kids forget what we taught them when we had Bible study because we're not living it out. If you're not living what you taught me, it must not be important. And so why would I want to live that out? So what I teach you must be modeled before you. To show you that it is important or else you forget it. and it's, Or else you say it's not important because I say with my life it's not important. The next alternative to not teaching those things. Sorry. Is the even scarier one. In verse, uh, see, so take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, you shall fear him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. Then he says, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. So once we have forgotten about God's faithfulness, and taught our kids to forget about God's faithfulness, we fill that desire and we fill that pursuit with something else. We're not neutral. We're always pursuing after something. But once we have forgotten God's faithfulness, the goodness of God, 
to fear him, to love him, and taught others to do the same, our kids, they're going to fill that with something else. They're going to chase after other gods in their lives. They're probably going to be those same false gods that they see us chasing after. Those tangible things in our lives. Those fancy, shiny things that the world says we should love, that we should value. It's, it's the default. When you're not pursuing and chasing after God, you chase and follow after another God. So the, repreca- the rep- repercussions for not teaching, not being diligent to teach those things to our kids is the first step is that they forget and then they start chasing after other gods. They start loving things that they weren't meant to love. Okay? Um, the really good kind of section of text that encompasses a lot. Um, but for myself personally, some of the specific things that that I desire for my kids to to know the things that I uh, want to instill in them and kind of uh, cultivate and really strengthen within them. Um, I've got a kind of a short list here. And, um, and, and let me just go ahead and throw a disclaimer out there for this too. I can't instill the truths of God's Word without the Holy Spirit. Um, and I kind of went through... Uh, a, a tough learning process when it came to Maggie and her salvation. Um, I got to the stage, to the point to where it was evident I couldn't do anything about it. And I was thankful for that. Because at the end of the day, I didn't want it to be something that I did. I didn't want it to be something that I forced her to confess to or to submit to. Because it wouldn't have been genuine. It wouldn't have been salvation. It would have been pleasing daddy. Um, and so, as a parent, there is an over an overwhelming amount of uh, trust and dependence on the Holy Spirit working in your kids, um, which is the way that it should be, which is the way that it was for each of us as as adults. So, um, but specifically starting out, um, the first thing I would like to pass on to them that they pass on to their kids, onto their kids, is a fear of the Lord. And I know that this is something that Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy spoke about, but I really feel like that is a great starting point for my kids. Because if, if they have a fear of the Lord, a, a healthy awe for the Lord, and they teach that to their kids, whether their kids become believers or not, they know that God is powerful, that God is almighty, and that there is no one else like him. And that he is worth being feared. Okay? So even if my grandkids or my great-grandkids don't become believers, they know where they stand before God. Um, and so I, I want to start off with my kids having a, a healthy fear of the Lord. Um, and kind of pulled from... Each one of these, I I have a a verse that I kind of pull from, uh, Psalms 33, 8 through 9. 
Psalm 33, 8 through 9. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. I mean, that to me is just uh, that picture that I want them to have. God said, and it was. He created. There's no one else like him. He is God alone. Worthy of being feared. um, Worthy of my obedience and my trust and my love, which is some uh, stuff I'll get into next. Um, so that's the first thing, the fear of the Lord. The second thing is trust in the Lord. Um, so not necessarily just through salvation, um, but just a trust in um, his goodness and his faithfulness, knowing that uh, that God doesn't change, that he is if there's anything worth trusting in this world, it is God and God alone. That everything else around them may fail them, people may fail them, but God can be trusted. Um, and so I uh, I like to be able to uh, to show them those examples, you know, in the Old Testament where God's working with Israel and you know and Maggie always picks up on the point that Israel is, they just don't listen, you know, um, even though God repeats himself, you know, this is what I did for you, this is what I've done, this is what I've given you, this is who you are to me, but they continue to choose to not trust, they continue to choose to forget, but I want to draw those things out to them to show them that God is worthy of their trust, um, that, that they can trust his faithfulness and his plan for their life, Um I pulled from uh, Psalms 112, 112, 6-7. It says, For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. I like that verse 7. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Bad news doesn't, shouldn't affect us. Because I trust in the Lord. Bad news is no longer bad news. It's news. Because I trust in a God who is greater than news. Greater than circumstances. And I want to instill that in them um, so that they grow up and are able to teach it to their kiddos or to their friends. Um, The next thing is uh, to be firm in the faith. So I've got fear of the Lord, trust in the Lord, and firm in the faith. I want them to have a confidence in their knowledge of the truth found in God's word. A confidence in their knowledge of the truth found in God's word. So I don't want them to move out of my house one day and their first day of college, they walk into a classroom with a professor who's not a believer and he tells them that what they believe isn't true, and he pulls out this stuff and shoots them down, and they're just devastated. I want them to be firm enough in what they know in God's Word to be able to stand firm on their own when I'm not right there with them, to be able to say, I know what truth is. And I can rest on that and trust in that, regardless of what other people tell me, Um, regardless of what other people say about my God, about how... Um, about how uh, 
things came to be uh, in general or whatever their beliefs are, whatever their morals are, that I can stand firm in what I know and what I trust in. Um, I pulled from Second Timothy chapter 3, 16 through 17. Just basically talks about scripture. Um, it's a great passage for the trustworthiness of God's word. Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Here's the part that I really want to instill into my kids: is that Scripture is uh, Scripture completes the man of God. It says that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that they would see the truth of God's word as trustworthy as something that they can take with them. Um, so that when they're not with dad, when they're not with mom, and they're on their own, they have something more dependable than me, more trustworthy than Jen, something that is theirs and that they have a strong connection with, and that's God's word. All right. Um, two more things. Uh, I want them to be content in all circumstances. Uh, not to have that mentality of keeping up with the Joneses, like since they have this, I have to have this. Um, I don't want them to be swayed by what the world says they should have or how they should look or who they should be, um, which is uh, more difficult, obviously, with girls and with boys. Um, but I don't want my daughter to uh, to grow up and to desire the attention of boys because she she sees other girls on TV or, or, or other friends want that too. I want them to be content in who they are and in what they have and in uh, uh, what God's doing in their life. Um, so that's really important for me. Um, Philippians 4:11 through 13 uh, talks about how Paul has learned the secret to being content in all circumstances. Um, He says, uh, he says at the end of that, uh, that verse that's taken out of context all the time, I can do all things through him who, strengthen, who strengthens me. Um, so learning the secret to contentment is uh, what gives me the strength and what I want, uh, where I want them to, to get the strength to, to be content no matter what, that God is faithful and that I am who he created me to be, and that I don't need the approval of man, um, that I don't need to have things that the world says that I need. Uh, and then the last thing that I think is really important that I want to pass on to them is that they see the connection between their love for the Lord and their obedience to the Lord. Um, and I think it's something that too often we disconnect and say, my obedience to God doesn't reflect my love for God. I think that's something that we that we do too often as believers is that we we say I'm a believer and I'm saved, so my obedience to God isn't always required. But that they would make the connection between their heart and obedience to God. That if I'm saying that I love God, it should mean that I choose obedience to him. Um Jesus uh, obviously makes a connection. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments in John fourteen fifteen. 15. Um, so I want them to make that connection and not feel like that as a believer, they kind of have a ticket to do whatever they want, even in the small things of life. That they can just say, 
It's not a big deal. It doesn't matter because it does matter. Um, but the, even in the small things, they can make that connection between their love for God and their obedience to him. And I would rather them make that connection than make the connection between God's love for them and their obedience, which is what I don't want them to do. Um, so I, I want them to make the connection between their love and their choice towards obedience. What I don't want them to do is to make a connection between God's love for them and their obedience. Um, and so as a parent, uh, I try to cultivate that and, and, and strengthen that by not um, by not always telling them uh, whenever they do something bad that, uh, that I don't get angry at them because of what they've done. Or, I, you know, I don't let my anger just kind of come out all of a sudden because of what they've done. But that I still love them. But I'm required to be a good father by punishing them. Even though they've done bad, as their dad, I still love them. I'm not angry, but I am required to punish them for their disobedience. Um, Because I don't want them to correlate that with God their father, that because they've done bad, God doesn't love them. Because they've been disobedient, that their salvation is gone. Um, But again, just the opposite. I do want them to correlate their obedience and their love for God. That if I say I love God, requires that I obey him as my master, as my Lord. Um, That's the gist of what I wanted to share with you guys. Um, There are a couple other things um, that aren't really big things. Uh, But essentially, I want to leave a legacy in this world after I'm not here anymore and I don't want it to be a legacy about myself I want it to be a legacy about God and I want it to be something that continues on for generations after I'm gone and even if my name isn't thrown around as uh, a great patriarch for my family that God's name is held high and that uh, the generations of little McLeods um, are making a difference for the sake of the gospel in the world because of how I'm living my life out today in front of my kids, that I'm being faithful and diligent to teach those things and to communicate those things with how I live in front of my kiddos. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org. Thank you.